Would you guys uh, give a warm welcome to Pastor Mike Parks as he comes up and hangs out with us today? Well, Mike, I'm so glad you're here and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do this time. But uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mike uh, is with an organization called uh, Frontier Partners International, and he's got a slideshow. He wants to just kind of tell you about his family and, and give you some updates on what the Lord's doing in those areas. So I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Why, thank you. It's, it's great to be here. Um, how many of you know my family? Okay, so some of you don't. So um, I'm getting old and doting, so I'm going to dote a little bit. Um, this, is my, this is my family and our new son-in-law. And my daughter obviously got married, so um, we have actually, from us, we have five children. And uh, those of you wondering, Carlos is in Seattle, going to go to diving school. Alana married Jonathan Marsh. How many know Jonathan Marsh? <laughs> Except for mom and dad, that doesn't count. And, uh, and so, and then they're up in Arlington, Virginia, and the rest of us base out of uh, Monument, Colorado. And, uh, and there's the bigger family. And, the, okay, I'm done, that's it. <laughs> and I, I, I got my 65 Mustang running this year, out of 15 years in the garage. I learned to drive in that car. So it's, that's, that's spectacular for me. Frontier Partners International is an international relief and development organization. Uh, I've been doing missions since a long time, 84, and uh, Frontier Partners is focused on the least and the last, the, the unreached, unengaged people groups. We go to crisis regions where there's little or no assistance, where there's persecution uh, from, from being a religious persecution, a racial persecution, isolation of, of people who need assistance, and there's not... Anybody there are very few people, enough people there to, to bring that help. And, and so we're very, uh, uh, that's, that's our field. Right now our focus is in Lebanon. Lebanon is a, an ancient, uh, is the ancient Phoenician empire and the, the Phoenician people. And that picture there, I put that there because that's my Phoenician friend. Um, and uh, the, the an ancient Phoenician ruins. That, straight down that road is where the Romans shoveled the debris of the city they destroyed to, to conquer the Phoenicians, so that you know the little bit of the history. So, um, uh, so we work in Lebanon, and, and what we do there is first, we started with Syrian refugees, the Syrian war. They've been going on for eight years, eight and a half, nine years now. Just a horrible situation of people fleeing about a million and a half to two million people. And so we've been helping them, and the Lord's been bringing people to to faith and doing disciple work amongst the Syrian refugees. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's really awesome. And then there was a big explosion. You guys remember in last August, there was a tremendous explosion from a, 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 a nit- so, what is it? Ammonia? Yeah, ammonia nitrate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was tremendous. 2,600 metric tons blew up, and, and you see the devastation. Those are names of people. Uh, on uh, along a along a bridge there um, uh, of people who were, who died. So um, here's a picture of a refugee camp. You can see it's tight, it's dirty, it's tense. And so this is where a couple a million a million and a half people live like this. And I show these pictures because they're people. And oftentimes we hear stories and we say, oh, this is 
so far away. It just, it almost becomes like a, another story in our, our lives and are we here? And these are real people living real lives, moms and dads. And that little girl, she's a beautiful, her name's Miriam and her dad is with me. Uh, that's outside of their home. Uh, after they had repaired it, it got flooded and, and they repaired their tent home. Uh, the nice people, that young girl, I, I love that little girl. She, uh, over a year ago, she had a, her arm was damaged and injured and she couldn't straighten it out and we, we helped her get some treatment on it and, and, and she's the sweetest little girl. I mean, all these kids are sweet. I could show you a bunch of great kid shots, um, but um, these people here are Kurdish people who are in, from Syria in the refugee camp and they're believers. These, these women are all, they're a Christian family. Uh, came to Christ through the situation. Like one lady told me, she said, I was thankful to God that the army came and burned our village and burned our home and destroyed it because I had to come here. And when I came here, I met Pastor Joseph and Pastor Joseph told me about Jesus. And I'm, now I know Jesus and I'm, I'm born again and I'm baptized. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. This is coming from a person dressed, and it's oftentimes you might think it's a culture dress. It's not a religious thing. For them, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful stories of beautiful people. And in northern Iraq, I, I always, it's just such rich, it's so rich in biblical history. Uh, pos- it, uh, you can see, um, if you see the, uh, that light's not good, but that's the Euphrates River and the Tigris River meet right there, and the meeting of that possibly could have been the Garden of Eden, who knows. Uh, it definitely is Nineveh. They still call it Nineveh. And there's great violence that still comes forth from Nineveh. That's where ISIS and, and the region around there where ISIS came from. You have the Tower of Babel. You have uh, the dispersion of nations. You have Rebecca, Isaac and Rebecca, and she was probably a Mede. And, and the Kurds, the Kurdish people in Kurdistan are descendants of the ancient Medes of the Medo-Persian Empire. So we've worked, we work with, with the Kurds, and the Yazidis is why we first went there uh, six and a half years ago. ISIS, if you remember ISIS, and they went and took a bunch of women and children for their slaves, those were Yazidi people, almost 100% Yazidi. They hate them. They're ancient religion. Yazidi is, is a religion, Yazidiism, and they're Kurds by race. Not to go too far in the weeds on that, but just to know it's not a race, it's a religion, and they hate them for their religion because they're monotheistic, they worship a sun god through angels, and the angel they worship through was the highest and most beautiful angel in all of heaven. He rebelled against God, and God cast him out of heaven, but then he repented, and God let him back in. I didn't get that part in the, (laughs) I didn't know that part till then. So uh, those are the people we minister to. You can see the wars have affected them, you know, that um, we've been, there's, Rock's been at war even before we were there. Uh, just tremendous trouble. And so we take fuel. That was winter fuel, food, clothing, uh, and businesses, soap business that they do. Their agriculture. Uh, this, is, this guy's name is Izod. No. Yeah. Yaza. I'm sorry. I'm bad with names. <laughs> but his name, his name is, I always remember from Izod. Azad. His name is Azad. I have to say Izod like the shirt first. And he, he's, a, he's a horticulturalist and a really brilliant man. And we're, we're using him to train the Yazidi people in agriculture. And this is one of the Yazidi leaders. And that little baby there, his name's Michael. And because uh, we got a, such a good relationship now, he named his child after me. 
Uh, yeah, I know, that's what I said. <laughs> They're just beautiful. I show because these people, when you see suffering, when you hear about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in various places, along with those disasters come broken lives and broken people and injured children and, and lives that are disrupted. And so it's, it's been difficult. We work closely with the church. This is a very dear friend of mine. And uh, we are translating materials. Uh, they don't have very, they don't have, they have the Bible in their language, but they don't have good, solid theological books, training, and, and discipleship books. And, uh, and so we're working closely with a group called World Impact and others, uh, Calvary Chapels even, to, uh, disciple, to d- translate and publish sound biblical materials to strengthen the church so that they're the ones that are going to make disciples. They're the ones that are going to reach the communities. Those are the ones that are going to train up the children and, 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 uh, and lead them into a, a strong faith. It, the church is, I always, I'm not good at blotting stuff out. You know, some people can fog up a face. I just like, <laughs> boom. I think like Pentecost, baby, boom. That's what it looked like. It wasn't a little flame. And... Uh, so it's really dangerous. It, 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 though there's freedom of religion, there's still great social pressure. And, and, and anybody that knows anything with Islam and conversion from Islam especially, but any other, a lot of other religions, it's very difficult, risky. They can lose their family, their jobs, their lives. And so they have this is a baptism in secret. And uh, the church is growing. We have uh, the church I work with, there's, there's branches all the way into Iran. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to people, the dreams and visions that you hear stories of, it's true, it's happening. Yeah. The Lord is using men and women that are lions of the faith uh, to bring other people to Christ. So we're really excited. To, um, it's a privilege to be able to, to know these, these men and women. It's a privilege to, to work alongside of them. And that's it. Amen, amen. So, so our goal this morning is to in addition to informing you about what's going on over there, is to look at Scripture and say, what does the Bible have to say about some of the things that are going on in the Middle East? And also to have some application for you about, okay, well, this is what you're doing, uh, but what about what the Lord would have us to do? So, so hopefully you guys will be blessed. I think last service they were. So, but uh, before we get into kind of what's going on over there, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, you started off as a pastor. You were a pastor in a church, you said, in Kansas. Yes. I got, I got the state wrong last, last service, but uh, in Kansas. So how does a guy who's pastoring in Kansas end up, you know, on, on, in war-torn zones and an hour away from Iran and, and you know, and, and uh, Islamic militias and things like that? How, how, how did that happen? I have the same question. <laughs> <laughs> Life is a journey. It's the Christian faith. How many, if any of you ever think that Christianity, serving God, is a boring thing? <laughs> it's really not. It's exciting, and 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 it's a journey. And, and you know this. And you're, I mean, all of us have our our venture of faith, as Chuck used to say. And we and it's it's at, it, life is an adventure. It's something. It's exciting, and and it, and God has great. Th- so I just started serving God. I got called to ministry in 1981 out of Calvary Chapel Riverside. A guy named Greg Laurie, and now it's Harvest. And and uh, I came back into a little town where I was an engineer for Boeing at the time, and. 
and uh, started serving God in the local ministry. And I, I was all excited, got ordained, became a pastor, started doing missions in 84. I had an old yellow, 1972 yellow Suburban, just beat up. It was a school bus, it was dented, and, and I loved that truck. I used to have a band, I used to all my band equipment in it, we'd go play. And, uh, and uh, I went, I just, one day I decided I was going to, I went to my, I was teaching a singles group, I said, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico in two weeks, and we're going to do a mission trip. Who wants to go? And about seven of them raised their hand. <laughs> That's right. And, and so we loaded up that truck with beans and rice and clothes, and, and the, the springs went like this, and I said, okay, that's enough, and we drove to Mexico, and that's how I started, and then God took me, uh, we, the Philippines, uh, smuggled Bibles into China, a um, um, couple other places, and then in uh, uh, the middle of, of the mid-90s, God took me into su- southern Sudan during the war, and I saw emaciated, damaged people sick and shot and chopped and and I my heart broke for the desperately suffering I said hey I want to do this for the rest of my life and then I came back and shortly after that I I quit my job uh, with Boeing I left the local ministry and I went to Kosovo anybody remember there's a war there back in 1999 and so when as soon as the war ended the borders opened up um, I went with the refugees, to, and I lived with a Muslim Albanian, fam- Muslim Albanian family in, uh, in Kosovo for a while, and working with the poor. And I said, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life, and I did. And I came back, went to Wichita, uh, found a pretty girl, got married, uh, went to Colorado, then Florida, then Europe, and, and then I was doing my mission work uh, for different organizations in crisis regions. So that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> So, you know, some of you out there, you have a heart for missions, maybe even maybe sensing a call to missions and stuff. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't have like a formal path that it works through. You just, you follow the Lord, right? <laughs> I'm a ready, fire, aim guy. <laughs> school, I got through school, I got a degree, but it was by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different for all of us, right? It is, it's different. Some people... What will go through school? Some will go through seminary. Some will go through educational systems, and and and. Uh, but whatever it is, God will prepare you. It, it, you know, we're qualified because God qualifies right. us. We're, we're we're prepared because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And 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 as a missionary, it kind of makes the things easier actually than if I was a secular worker because He tells me what I. He'll teach me things I need to know. He'll show me things to come. He'll, he'll, lead, he'll lead you wherever he wants you as long as you're ready to go there. Yeah. The key element is, you know, like we see in Acts chapter, I want to say 15, when the, it says, and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto, me, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called him to do. You know, and as the Lord puts it on your heart, whatever it may be, you know, sometimes it may be to be a prayer partner with somebody and sometimes it might mean to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, you want to be obedient to what the Lord is, is telling you to do because that's really every, everything you did was a, a step of obedience. God broke your heart for these folks and, and said, I want you to do this. And, right. And you did. You obeyed him. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, well, you and I met when uh, you were on the search committee for when Pastor Gibb retired and, uh, and they had to pick a new pastor. And, uh, and, and so they picked me. And so that's how I met you. It was in our, our first, one of my interviews uh, right. for that right. spot. But later on, eventually we had lunch and you kind of wanted to tell me about the things you were doing because you were involved here, but obviously involved with missions work at the time. And so through that, we, we had become friends and, uh, you know, grew in that, in that type of relationship. And then the Lord called you 
out to, back to Colorado, and then, and then Frontier was a ministry you started, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, last, uh, about two years ago. Yeah, and, and, and mostly because the heart was to go into those places that were very difficult to get into and, and really pretty much whenever you wanted to go, not having to wait for all these measures to kind of go through. Mike, right. Mike, Mike I, he told me a story once when he was in Afghanistan about how you were driving through a river in the car. <laughs> Tell me that's, do you mind telling that? Just brief. Okay. Well, yeah, to keep a long story short, um, we, we, we went, we, my first trip into Afghanistan was February 2002, right after they opened the borders again after the war. I followed a couple wars. And uh, we were up in Tajikistan. We drove down across a river border and crossed this border on a, on, of the barge. This wasn't where we almost drowned, but the barge had a tractor mounted on it. This was my introduction to Mike, by the way. And Tell they, me how he almost drowned. They had a cable across the river, and the, the cable tied onto the wheel. It had one wheel, and the, the, the guy got up there on the tractor, and he, and he pushed it forward. It wound the cable. We went to Tajikistan. And then he put it in reverse, it rounded it the other way, went to Afghanistan. And so we jumped into this little Russian jeep and we're going across. And, and the way we got across this river, it had some deep spots. It was really wide and spread out and there's dangerous spots, but the locals knew. So we followed this boy, we paid him something. And he rode his horse across and we followed him and got across. On the way back, uh, we got a boy and, and he gave, started handing him money. This old man muscles him out. Old man on an old horse. It, was, it started out not good. That's not a good <laughs> sign. And he's, we're following this guy and the horse is getting deeper and deeper. And I said, I said, I don't, this doesn't, this could get, that didn't look good. And next thing you know, the horse and rider fell into the sea. They just, <laughs> and, and, and they disappeared and popped up. And by then, the, 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 any of you ever get washed away in a car? Anybody? It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, oh. And, and then we did the same thing. I said, and whoa, and my guy, the guys next to me are going, Lord Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. There's yelling, Jesus, save me. And I'm thinking, what, man, I'm going to knock this window out. I'm going to go, I can't find out. I'm thinking how to get out. And I was about ready to start trying to knock stuff, break things. I, we, I felt the wheel caught, and that old Russian jeep pulled us out. And by golly, here we are. And Mike said, he said, come to Afghanistan with me. <laughs> so right now, currently, the situation in the Middle East, obviously, it's probably not centered so much in Afghanistan, even though they've got their own issues there now. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the situation in particular in, in northern Iraq, northern Syria, um, you know, the kind of the, the void that's been left by the civil war and then by some of the circumstances between the Iraqis and the Kurds. Um, that have put that kind of as a, a, a ground zero for lots of, lots of suffering. So you, you described a little bit, but let's talk about like Iran and Russia and, and Turkey and how they're involved in that process. So my experience right now in that, in that area centers in Kurdistan. And like I said, the Kurds are the ancient Medes, the Medo-Persian Empire, the ones who took out Babylon. They're... they're they're really great people, I really, and they love Americans, which makes it easier for me. At least most of them do. And so uh, in, in Kurdistan itself, could you put the map back up there for me? Um, so I talk, because so, nobody, I start talking and you know, knowing that region is almost impossible. Uh, and so what you have in, in Kurdistan is the Kurdish people live in northern Iraq, western Iran, southern uh, um, Turkey and then in northern Syria. It's a region of the largest people group without a nation. 
and they identify closely with Israel. And so you can see there, you can see that uh, the, the region, this isn't very bright. So anyway, you see down south is Iraq and to the right and, uh, is Iran and Turkey to the north. And they continually, are, that the land, is, the Turkey is like wants to reestablish the Ottoman Empire, Erdogan and an Islamicist and, and an Otto, a neo-Ottoman. And so they're trying to reach, they want northern Turkey, they want northern, uh, northern, I mean, they want northern Syria and northern Iraq and the Kurdish region. And they come in all the time and they bomb Kurdish villages uh, spontaneously without, you know, nobody knows when it's going to happen. And the region, you can see there, um, this river, you see the rivers there, that's the Tigris and that's the Euphrates and what city was at the meeting of the, Euphrates, of the Tigris and Euphrates River? Nineveh. Nineveh. And they still call it Nineveh. And the violence that exists in that region is tremendous. That's where ISIS was. ISIS was all in this region down here, and real strong, and, and, they, um, and it was the Yazidi people that they took. When they took women and children for their slaves and, and, their, and, uh, and wives and that, they were Yazidi people. And they, they took them and uh, sold them, and you know what. So it's a very t- rough area. Uh, and across Syria has had, had a civil war for nine years uh, bordering that region. So it's a, geopolitically, it's very dangerous. Iran is a very dangerous country. They, are, they have militias, armed, highly, well-armed and highly trained militias that, that go from across Kurdistan, northern Iraq, into Syria to build military bases along the southern border of Syria and the northern border of Israel to attack Israel, I mean, stated. And Israel's running military operations into Syria, and one time we came, we were walking out of a, I was in Lebanon, and these two jets, I was walking out of a cave, and these two jets were just, they were doing this, and I said, what is that? I'd never seen that before, and my friend said, it's Israel, they're evading air defenses in Syria, because they just ran a bombing operation, so it's just, everything's changing, everything could, people ask me, is it safe, and I say, yeah, it's safe until it's not, <laughs> You know, we talked about Ezekiel 38 and 39, you know, a few months ago as we're going through our end time study right now, and we talked about, you know, the invasion of uh, Gog and and Magog, and and Persia's involved in that, so you've got Iran, you've got the, um, you know, uh, Meshesh and Tubal, you know, so you've got... um, Turkey involved in this. And, and, you know, it's fascinating. When you read stuff from, like, the 1800s about Israel, and those who would teach what the Bible had to say, and they say, oh, Israel will re- be reborn as a nation, they were mocked because they thought, that's, that's ridiculous, that's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Well, it, it's very similar probably in our modern day that people mock when we say, well, Russia and Turkey are going to get together and, and, and do stuff. It's not strange to think of Russia and Iran doing stuff together because they've always, you know, been kind of together in, in, their, in their plans and stuff. But Turkey and Russia, are, are, they're constantly at odds. Right. Um, and, and yet, when we look at this crisis that's going on in northern Iraq and in northern Syria, you, you, you have Russian forces in the region, Turkish forces in the region, and Iranian forces all in the region together. That has not, that's not something that's happened before in our time. And, and you know, in the past, you had this, this strong buffer of Syria who was allies with Russia, but I would say probably not so with Turkey. And so you had Syria there, but Syria's fallen apart. And so whereas before you had this nation that we would normally consider to have been 
in addition to these other nations hostile to Israel, now it's a, it's, it's a perfect landing strip for troops to mass in there and with nothing in the way to hit Israel if they want to hit Israel. Yes. So, so while we look at this region and we see some of these things going on you know, that Mike's talking about, these are, are things that the Bible uh, has discussed in, in some way, shape, or form. And I don't know if it's exactly going to pan out that way, but it, it is very possible that this is paving the way for some of the things that we see in Ezekiel 38 and 39 you know, to take place. Now, when we discuss those things, I think sometimes it's kind of go, wow, that's interesting, or even, wow, that's exciting. Uh, but one of the dangers that I think we face over here in a place where we don't experience a lot of this stuff, um, I know 2020 was a very difficult year, and we saw a lot of things that we thought we might never see in our nation. Um, however, um, it's easy to get excited about these things and forget the suffering that's left in its wake. Right. Um, there's a scripture that God put on my heart to share this service with you guys um, because I, I hear a lot of American pastors, unfortunately, we talk about um, Muslims in, in a very negative light, mm. um, not just Islam. Obviously, we're opposed to Islamic theology, and certainly Islamic theology has produced a lot of wicked things. But we kind of lump all Muslims in that, in that same group. And, and, and we talk about all these people groups in the Middle East. If you're not Israeli, basically you're evil. Yeah. And, and we can get this idea um, where we forget just the everyday families and everyday individuals on the ground who are experiencing suffering as a result of, of the violence and the war and the bloodshed and the suffering that's going, the, the, the geopolitical things that are going on there, the suffering that it brings. But I wanted to read you a prophecy that, that the Lord gives Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 19. In Isaiah chapter 19, it says in verse 21, and the Lord shall be known, this is referring to the future, the Lord shall be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and they shall do sacrifice and oblation, yea, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it. And the Lord will smite Egypt, he will smite and heal it, and they shall return to the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them and shall heal them. In that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrians shall come into Egypt, and the Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In other words, there'll they'll be unity, they'll be together. And in that day, Israel shall be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance." Amen. And so when we look at these people groups, God loves all of them. Yes, he has a special plan for Israel. We've been talking about that. But that God also has a special plan for Assyria and for Egypt. And it, there are prophecies about Kedar and Sheba and Dedan and so many of these other people groups there. There's promises God's made to Ishmael, right? Amen. So there are promises that the Lord has given to these all of these people groups. He loves them all and he desires to reach them. And so when we we see about some of these things, it's very easy to become callous and forget about the fact that there are people that Jesus died for that are on the ground right there. And these are many of the folks that, that you're working with there, um, you know, in, in, in those groups in particular, you know, the Yazidis there. And, and it, it, could you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the things that God's doing in those people groups there? The Lord's working tremendously. Uh, You've heard dreams and vi people having dreams and visions, and it's true. Uh, I've had, and, and they're always simple, and I've had people tell me, one lady says, was telling me how she had a dream of Jesus and told her to follow him and not Muhammad, and as she was talking, another woman wanted to tell me a story so bad, she also 
that she saw Jesus. And, and there, was, there, there was just an excitement. And, and the Lord is speaking in, in, in through his church and the believers that are there. The church, uh, the Assyrian church, is an ancient church. There's, there's people, sometimes I go there and, and I go, yeah, I'm Calvary Chapel. We've been around for 60 years. <laughs> and... Uh, these churches are some of the first churches, and, and they've suffered greatly at the hands of the Muslims. There's just there's so many people, groups, the Assyrians, the Chaldeans, the Zoroastrians. So there's Zoroastrians that we, that we minister to. A group, people group called the Kakai or Davidians. They see David as a Messiah. And that up in that area of, of, uh, of Kurdistan, and the area of Kurdistan was where the last, the, 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 the dispersion, the end of the 70 years occurred, and they came out from that region of Kurdistan back into Israel uh, at, uh, at the prophecy of Jeremiah. So there's a lot of Jewish influence, uh, uh, so many people groups, and like you said, so the Yazidi people uh, have, have suffered so much. Their religion is, is, is an ancient religion. Uh, three thousand year old religion uh, worshiping a sun god and and through an angelic uh, hierarchy and and uh, and so it 's just it 's just an interesting it 's just interesting to serve these people and and when you get down there and you start meeting them they 're just they 're kind they 're kind they 're gentle they're they 're hard working so it 's uh it's an interesting region and it 's very complex it 's not simple it 's not just Syrians. There wasn't a Syria and an Iraq until after World War I. And so people groups migrated, and you have Bedouins and others that, 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 that traveled through that, that whole region. I mean, that's what Abraham was, right? He, was, he just traveled up and lived, he lived up in that region for, for a long time until his dad died. So, uh, and, and, they, and they have the history. They have all this history, and they remember it. They talk about Abraham. They talk about Sarah. They talk about... Uh, all these things. So the biblical history is rich and, and the people are rich. Amen. Now, <clears throat> when you go in, you know, you're, you're, obviously your hope is you want to be able to minister Christ to them, but your primary thing you're doing is you're, you're meeting the needs that are there with, because of these disasters that, that have hit. And, and so you mentioned last service, like they'll ask you a question a lot of times when you're there because you don't necessarily go in proselytize. You're not going right. in necessarily with an, uh, just openly evangelistic when you go in there. So what, I, I love the question because I think it's an important question we can all learn from in our own witness. So what's the question they ask you when you go in there? <laughs> Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you helping us? Why are you here? And so, you know, <clears throat> I think it's easy in our culture and in our environment to speak because we have the freedom to do so. Um, and and we we feel very free to do so, <laughs> yeah. and and so the the challenge is of course is that sometimes the words that we speak or the actions that we take they don't always match um, our testimony for Christ. Um, when you answer that question, you know <laughs> what do you tell them? Jesus, you say Jesus sent Jesus, you, right? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah are you here? So the Jesus. answer is Jesus. We we go in and and we don't proselytize, and that may sound strange. But our goal is to see the gospel reach people who have never heard or have very little exposure and to put a light on the gospel that is appealing. And so we help people in their need, in their greatest need. When someone is living, had to run and lives, lives in a tent and they've lost their dad or their mother to some horrific situation, they've seen things that nobody should see. 
Um, and you, you go in, you treat them with dignity, and res- we treat them with dignity, we treat them with respect and honor, we treat them like this. We're equals. We don't treat them where a lot of times agencies will come in and they're, they're there to do a job. We're there to win, to see the, the Jesus win their hearts. And, and so we go in and we don't, when I went, first went to Iraq for the Yazidi people, my friend, who he saw holding the book, he said, um, he said, do not evangelize. We don't evangelize the Yazidis. They were persecuted under the name of religion. We're not going to force religion on them. Let them think that they have to listen to us or believe what we believe to get some aid. And that's the way we've worked for years. So when you go in and love people in need and meeting their needs the best that you can, which any crisis, the, 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 the needs outstrip the resources every time. And I think that's one thing that sometimes when a lot of people look at crisis like this, they go, well, it's far away and, and it's different people and it's so big, who can do anything about that? Well, the first thing you can do is pray. I, I would encourage you, as, as I, that's why I show pictures of children and people and moms and dads, because that's who you go. And, and the most dangerous place in the world to go help people, the thing is, you know what's there? People. Mm-hmm. Moms and dads and kids, and, and they, need, they need help. They need relief. They might need some food. They might need a toy, a soccer ball. You know, just, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, it's just compassion. And real compassion from the love of a Christian. And, and you know what they tell me? Every, every Muslim country I've worked in after a year, or even the Yazidis people, others, we would rather have Christians helping us than the United Nations or than other, other agencies because Christians treat us with love. They love us. They honor us. And so doing that, and, and, it, and so I would say, don't, you know, a lot of times they're real people, love them, pray for them, get to know some of the situations going on around the world. Everything, you know, our news cycle is like this, or maybe it's like that. <laughs> and, and, and there's so much going on in the world that you could be praying for in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and the persecution that goes on in the believers, especially Christians, but other religions. We need your prayers to reach out and to encourage them, to help them, to empower them, to strengthen them. Um, it's an exciting world. Amen. And we pray for them. And one of the things we'll be looking at next week, when we look at Revelation chapter 7, it talks about one of the greatest revivals that will ever happen uh, as we see all these martyred believers in heaven before the Lord. And, and, you know, I can't help but think, you know, these are going to be people who are from regions that have never heard the gospel, regions that, you know, are now going to be forced to make a choice. And, and, and the Lord's going to make it clear that everyone hears. He's going to send an angel all around the earth, you know, preaching the everlasting gospel. So, so I think to myself, you know, it, it, it's not surprising to see the Holy Spirit working in a region that has really been rough to get the gospel to, that he's working in that region in a new way, even though... It has ancient ties to Christianity. Yeah. You know, in these days, it's, it's obviously been a more difficult region to get the gospel to. Yeah, I, I'd say again, to get the gospel in there again. Yes. That's where, that's where the disciples went and uh, the first churches were planted. Amen, amen. You know, um, there, there are folks around you. That it may not be, obviously, a, a disaster relief type situation uh, that they're going through, but... but the Bible talks about how even someone who gives a glass of water in the name of the Lord, you know, won't, won't lose their reward. Um, that there is something that can be done 
in the, for the people around you that you show grace and mercy and compassion to and kindness to and genuine love and respect and dignity uh, as a human being uh, that will separate you. I mean, think of just how where our culture's at right now where there's so much hatred, there's so little uh, of any type of a, uh, of a dignity and worth. Everyone is demonized in some way, shape, or form. Right. And, and that's really just a, this is just something that's coming to our culture, but it's, it's been a, cat, uh, a characteristic of other cultures for, for years and sometimes... I mean, sometimes millennia, so. Yeah, so. It's true. You know, if you just, even just go, like, like Will said, if you just go to somebody who's hurting and, and you, you just show them some compassion and you'll win, you can win people like that as opposed to trying to win an argument. I used to do a lot of street evangelism and I'd, I'd run more, I'd go chase a Mormon down just to have a theological argument I'd see them on their bike, and I'd literally run. And uh, they would like... <laughs> and uh, I'd get all jazzed up and go... Learn. I learned a lot of theology that way, but I'd, I'd never won a one of them. I won, an arg- I won a, a few arguments, but I didn't win the people. Yeah. So, a scripture I wanted to share with you that the Lord really ministered to me a couple years ago. Um, it's from Hebrews chapter 13. And it's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. It says, remember those that are in bonds as bound with them. So the idea is, you know, remembering those who are uh, imprisoned for their faith, you know, in the same way as, as if you were bound with them. But then it says this, and those which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. You know, if, if my, uh, I tell you what, when my big toe suffers adversity, it lets me know. And, and you know, when we hear about these things, you know, Mike is, is really good about, uh, if you're on his newsletter, you know this. Um, I know you said last service, you're not, you don't send a ton of updates. I'm on a lot of newsletters, and, and you send far more updates than most. <laughs> and I'm, I'm blessed because it means I know how to pray for you, and I know what's going on. Um, so, you know, when you send these updates and they come in and I find out what's going on in the body of Christ elsewhere, you know, it, it does affect me. And, and the Lord says, remember them as if, you know, it was happening to you is what Amen. he's saying. And so it's, I want to encourage you and challenge you, um, you know, to not detach uh, from the other parts of the body of Christ just because they're not in front of us, you know, because they're not front and center. Um, I'd, I'd much rather spend five minutes praying for you know, for Mike and, and for Frontier Partners and for the Yazidi people than I would surfing a website about what the newest thing that's going on in the U.S. government. Uh, mm-hmm. I would much rather spend five minutes doing that uh, than it is just focused on what's right in front of me, um, you know. And so the Bible tells us that when God remembers us, you know, that he takes an active part in our lives. And so I would encourage you. I, I, I have done this probably since I got here. I don't do it all the time, but I, I remind you from, on occasion, you know, be involved here, you know, be involved in your family. But in addition to that, find one way that you can be involved in something that's outside your immediate circle. And, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, those of you who love Mike, I'm sure you pray for him and, and, uh, and for what's going on there. But that's just one way, you know, that you can participate in something that's outside of your immediate area of influence. So. Amen. Well, we do have to wrap this up soon, so I, I did want to use you to share what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're finding right now serving in disaster relief? A lot of uh, security is probably the number one issue for us, trying to navigate. Uh, uh, people ask me if it's safe. I say, yes, it is, until it's not. 
uh, where we can go one time, we, you know, the next time we can't, we can't go there because of uh, movement. There's so many military operations going on. Like you said, uh, the, to the Turks, the Turkey's there, and they're running troops and, and flying sorties, and then Iran's got their militia, and then ISIS is resurging. And, uh, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a dynamic place. That's probably our number one problem. Resources are hard because um, the need's so great. We, you know, we're, doing, we're, uh, we're getting ready to do a winter relief uh, for the Yazidi people. It, you know, they need some kerosene or fuel. They need uh, for heat. They need blankets. They need food. And, and uh, you know, the, this ice, uh, the um, COVID lockdowns have just devastated them. So uh, those, are, those are difficult and honestly, travel's becoming so hard. <laughs> Last trip, I, I went in September. I, I got checked for COVID five or six times in, in two weeks. And my nose, my nasal, <laughs> I think it permanently damaged my nasal cavity from it. <laughs> and then I got COVID when I got back. So I read that and I had horrible memories of my own COVID <laughs> testing, which was just once. So, But... Um, so these are ways that you can be praying for Mike, and these are the challenges that him and, and those he ministers with are, yeah. are facing. You know, it's exciting to see the wheelchairs. You know, you got... You did f- you talk about that already, the wheelchairs? Did I talk about that? Oh. Tell them about the wheelchairs, because well, that we, was so we, cool. It was funny. I, I was in Lebanon, and my, my friend says, oh, I was getting ready to leave. He goes, oh, uh, when you go back, talk to Johnny in French. You know Johnny Erickson Tata? You know Johnny the... Quadruple. Anyway, she has a, wheel, a wheelchair program, and so he says, "Talk to her, get us thousand wheelchairs." I thought, "Why not?" So I did, and they said, "No, I don't know if we can do that." And and then next thing I know, they said, "Okay, they're ready." Whoa! <laughs> we got them on a truck, got them on a boat, got them to Beirut, and they, we got them out last week or week before. Just we just got them. We finally got them. So we're, we're able to distribute them to, we're going to sum to the, what they have, the High Commission on Relief for Lebanon, and then we're going to distribute it to other agencies, and then we'll go out. So that was a, that was a really big deal for us. That was, I, I didn't ever think, I, when he said a thousand wheelchairs, I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and the people, you know, I talk about troubles that, that you know, you listen to me say, well, I, you know, these people live there. My friends live there. They live this day to day. And they write me sometimes. They go, we're frightened. Please pray for us. We're frightened. We, 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 there's a, they found an ISIS cell just you know, a, close to where we're living. Pray for us. And being Christians, that puts another target on them. My friends had an assassination attempt by the government of Iran. They put an assassination attempt on them because they're evangelical and they were affecting Iran. And, and so it's just... Uh, uh, it's just... A, they, these people live that. So the things you hear me talk about, and I come, my job is like a trainer, a cheerleader, uh, you know, resource them. Uh, these guys, these men and women are the heroes. And so you know, when you get our newsletter, you, you'll read that, and I, I don't say their names, but you'll read that, you'll know that they're out there and they're doing that. The, the Will's Cares got distributed because Joseph, I just said his name. Joseph is there doing it, and, and, and his son and, and, it's, and the team there. The uh, Yazidi people are being ministered to because the, the believers are, are reaching out to them and helping them. Yeah. And the wheelchairs were for the, a lot of the folks who were injured in that, right, that big, huge right. blast, right? There was 1,000 yeah. people uh, uh, disabled by that blast in Beirut, and then there's 
refugees who are disabled. And in that culture, in, some of the, in, in a lot of those cultures, a disabled person is put away. They're just kept at home. They have, so these wheelchairs will, will bring a lot of mobility and freedom and, and opportunities for some to, to work and, and just greatly improve their lives. It'll be like a second chance at life. It will be. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. You know, you hear a lot of news that is meant to... Well, we talked about it in my prophecy update. I talked about how, you know, it says in, in, in the last days, it says there'll be those who, who will cause men's heart to wax cold. Um, and, and so a lot of what we hear today, a lot of it, what we hear from, um, you know, political leaders, from news outlets is designed to make your heart grow cold. Uh, it's part of the plan of the enemy. And, uh, and, but what, what we're hearing this morning is, you know, God's working, the Holy Spirit's working, there's hope. And, and so... Jesus said, you know, when you see all these things happening, look up, you know, and, 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 and you know, lift up your eyes and look up. Look up and lift up your eyes because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is still working. We're called to occupy till he comes and, and to, to go until the trumpet sounds. I, I will also, just don't be afraid. Fear not. Jesus had, this, you know, how many times the Bible's told us that. And, 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 and there's, we, things are hard. It make, they make it harder. The, the, the world is, is in turmoil. It's, it just, the world is shaking and God is working Amen. and the doors are opening and there's a, a, and on some places, let me show the Lord Terry, it's, there's a window of time. We don't have forever. We should work really hard now to get the gospel to all people. And, to, you know, and then when the gospel's been preached to all the nations, boom, <laughs> the end will come. So I just really want to encourage you to not be afraid, to be, be encouraged. Uh, the stories are, there's more and more stories to, to be encouraged about than to be fearful right. for. And, uh, and I just want, you know, and so take the gospel and the good news and love, Amen. You, love your neighbor. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, I think we're out of time. So would you guys uh, stand and join me in prayer and then the worship team will close us out. So. Lord, thank you so much for being able to be blessed by having Mike here with us this morning to share. And, uh, and Lord, it is our desire that we would, we would be obedient to you, um, to look up, lift up our eyes, look up, uh, and Lord, because you still have work for us to do, to have the courage to, you know, and, and the hope to, to continue pressing forward, to occupy till you come, Lord, without fear, without uh, allowing the, the world around us to cause our hearts to grow cold. Uh, but to be faithful to the end, Lord, to finish the work that you've called us to do. So that with the Apostle Paul and the time that you've called us to be in, that we can say, I fought the good fight, I've run the race, I've finished the course that you've given to me. And so, Lord, we want to do that. So we, we thank you for this time. We pray that you'd, you'd show us ways that we can uh, be involved uh, and get outside of ourselves, Lord, uh, that we might be like those who you said when you come back, you said, hey, when did we see you naked and starving? And when did we see you hungry and, and blind and all these things? And when did you see us in jail and you visit us? And you said, when you did it unto one of the least of these, uh, my brethren, you did it to me. So, Lord, we want to be like you. And, and so fill us with your spirit and give us that love and that boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Why don't you thank Mike for coming? So, thank you, Mike.